Corporate needs you to find the difference between this picture of a polished turd and this picture of modern ninjutsu. They're the same picture. Self-defense. Self-awareness. Self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore, your sometimes occasionally weekly podcast in which I have opinions and I tell you them. I am your host, Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. Um, this is the inaugural episode of the Martial Arts Podcast. I thought it might be fun to do a podcast about something other than the news, uh, since I spend so much time thinking about uh, the martial arts and have been engaged in the martial arts for, wow, about three decades now. Um, in other words, I am old. I am also one of the OGs of the internet self-defense community, which is a shocking thought that was brought home to me by a comment that was made on my Instagram account by a guy who said, this guy wrote books that I read when I was a kid. And the person who posted that was clearly a functioning adult. Um, nothing will make you feel more flattered and more old all at the same time. I remember the first time someone called me old man as an insult. And I remember thinking, well, well that's just hurtful. And the funny thing about insulting someone as being old is... What are you actually telling them? You are correctly identifying that not only do they remain extant, but that uh, they started their journey on life before you did. We should all aspire to be old. I mean, the alternative is to, you know, be dead. So, yes, may you grow old. May you, may you become old like so many people have not had the opportunity to do before you. This podcast episode, this uh, episode number one of the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore, is the Ninja Podcast. I want to talk about what a friend called the polished turd that is ninjutsu, modern ninjutsu. Modern ninjutsu is problematic for a number of reasons. First and foremost among them that there is so much of it out there that it's just completely, totally fake. I know you're going to talk to people, hear from people who think that all of it is fake. I don't believe that's true. And if if for no other reason, then I believe that there's a concept wherein the passage of time legitimizes a a claim or lends legitimacy to a claim. Uh, And you could cynically say, well, no, it doesn't. Why should that be? But the fact is, if something is around long enough, it, it becomes its own thing. It becomes established. It is possible, for example, that I could start a martial art today If it endures for a hundred years, a hundred years from now, that martial art, even though it's something I made up, if it worked and it endured for all that time, if enough people found value in it that they cared about it a hundred years later, that the passage of time has conferred legitimacy on it. Do modern ninjutsu schools, uh, and, and by, well, I have to back up, there's a range. But the most famous ninjutsu schools would be the Bujinkan and the the Genbukan, and there's a few other organizations. The longer these organizations have been around, the more legitimacy they have built for themselves just through the passage of time. Uh, You know, you you could argue about just whether it is likely or possible that Masaki Hatsumi has this ninja tradition that was passed down from, from, you know, in family traditions behind the scenes for so many years is that possible? Well, it sounds an awful lot like Gerald Gardner, the fellow who invented Wicca, arguably. 
you know, Gerald Gardner popped up at some point in the 60s, I think it was, and said, hey, by the way, I've been inducted into this family tradition of witchcraft that has existed for centuries and extends all the way back to pre-Christian times. Was it likely that he really had that that lore, that, that lineage, that unbroken link to the past? Probably not. However, enough decades have gone by of people finding value in what he created that 100 years from now, Wicca will be just as established as many other religions that, you know, go back that far and no farther. Um, you know, the, the, the older a religion is, the more established it becomes. That is simply a reality. Now, you could logically argue that that makes no difference. The fact that a claim has been made for any amount of time does not make it more true. And, and that's, that's very true. I mean, logically, that is true. But in terms of human acceptance, if something is valuable enough to stick around for a very long time, there must be some value in it. For example, Wing Chun Kung Fu, one of the most famous Kung Fu styles that exists. There are a lot of people who hate on it, and there's a lot of bad Wing Chun out there. It's not all bad, but there is a lot of bad Wing Chun out there. Was it really invented by a woman according to the, the legend and the lore that goes with it? We don't know. But enough time has gone by that that no longer matters. Will there be a time when Scientology no longer sounds like something that was invented by a science fiction author? Probably not. But the longer it's around, the more legitimate it will seem. Well, that brings us back to modern ninjutsu in the form of the most established ninjutsu organizations, like the, the Bujinkan and the Genbukan. Um, is it likely that this goes back centuries to feudal Japan and that the techniques being taught are, you know, being conveyed from scrolls that have been handed down from generation to generation. It, it guess that depends on how credulous you find that type of concept. Some people find it a lot more far-fetched than others. I would argue, though, that if any ninjutsu organization is legitimate, it is these older organizations that are more established. If we define legitimacy as widespread acceptance. And mind you, the fact that something is accepted by a lot of people doesn't necessarily make it true. But I think you have a, a, a better likelihood of things being true. Now, in terms of, of the martial art that is the Bujinkan, um, it certainly resembles a lot of other Japanese martial arts. Um, there are good practitioners of it. There are practitioners of it who, while they have legitimate credentials, are less effective than others, just like any martial art. Um, but when we talk about modern ninjutsu, most of the time, we're not talking about the Bujinkan or the more established branches of ninjutsu. We're talking about the modern ninja, the people who just put on a black uniform and started pretending at being ninjutsu instructors. Over the last several decades, starting with the 1980s ninja boom, this has been a plague. There was a time when you could divide people claiming to be modern ninjutsu instructors into two camps. Uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm, I'm going from memory here, so if I'm getting this wrong, please forgive me. But if I remember correctly, because the Bujinkan supposedly descended from the Iga region of Japan, then there were a whole bunch of people who said, well, our ninjutsu comes from the Koga region of Japan. And the reason they did that was so that they could basically make things up. And in the 1980s, you had a whole bunch of people hanging out their ninja shingle by, you know, donning a black gi instead of a white one and saying, I teach ninja stuff now. And there was all kinds of popular entertainment in the 1980s, ninja movies of various kinds that 
popularized what we could think of as the traditional ninja weapons, you know, shuriken and hand claws and the straight bladed square guard ninja sword and a variety of other things. And it became a popular culture movement. And that popular culture movement is pretty cool. You don't have to explain what you're talking about when you talk about ninja. Everybody knows what ninja are. And universally, they pretty much think ninja are cool. The problem is that so many of the people claiming to be doing ninja stuff because it's cool are literally only doing that. They're just making stuff up as they go along. They have no lineage linking them to any kind of ninjutsu tradition. Many of them have only a little training, if that, in one of the more quote-unquote legitimate ninjutsu schools. You know, you get a lot of people who maybe train with the Bujinkan for a little while and then strike out on their own and do their own thing and make up their own stuff. And it really becomes a way of of just saying, I do this cool thing, and this is a cool thing that you will have some idea what it is when I say it. Like, if I invent my own martial art, and I call it Rex Quando, you know, from whatever movie that's from, I forget now, uh, Napoleon Dynamite or something like that, um, you have to be told what that is. Someone has to define that for you. You know it's a martial art because it uses... Uh, syllables from other martial arts, but you don't necessarily know what it involves. If I tell you I'm teaching ninjutsu, you immediately have in your mind a certain concept of what you're being taught, you know, that's driven by popular culture, that's driven not by martial arts experience usually, but by movies and television that you've seen. I mean, the, the ninja boom was so boomy at one point that they cast the whitest white man who has ever been white, Lee Van Cleef, in a television series called The Master, where, interestingly, whenever it was time to do martial arts stuff and he put on his ninja mask, he suddenly became an Asian stuntman for the whole sequence where stuff had to be done. And then the rest of the time when he was standing around delivering his lines, he was Lee Van Cleef, the whitest white man who has ever been white. So, you know, that there was so much demand for ninja entertainment that people weren't even trying for authenticity. They're like, well, Lee Van Cleef's kind of cool. And I, I have a feeling that that show was probably inspired by the popularity of, of Stephen K. Hayes and his material at the time as one of the first prominent Westerners who, who said he was teaching ninjutsu and who put out a lot of books on the topic. And I know Stephen K. Hayes eventually left the Bujinkan and went on to, to do his own thing. He's a very nice man. I've spoken with him. I have nothing but respect for the guy. Um, Unfortunately, there's also a lot of politicking even in the more legitimate circles of, of ninjutsu. So, you know, there are always people, you, you can't name a single teacher in uh, ninjutsu today among the legitimate organizations who doesn't have his detractors. Um, but then there are all the swarms and swarms of illegitimate practitioners. And those are the people fighting over the polished turd that is the legacy of modern ninjutsu, as my friend Patrick once put it. Um, you have all these people who are trying to lay claim to things they haven't done, skills they haven't developed, ranks they haven't earned, and they're using the cloak of ninjutsu is cool to kind of cover it all up. They're hoping that you'll be so interested in the thing that sounds cool that you're not going to look any deeper into their actual credentials. Um, 
in the Facebook group that I participate in, uh, BSMA, where we talk about people who have faked or exaggerated their credentials, and we talk, like, for the most part, the group is devoted to people who lie. There's a distinction, between, in my mind at least, between somebody who deliberately lies to you and is therefore a fraud or a fake, and somebody who's just not that good at whatever martial art they do. Um, and I've encountered both of those people. I, I was at a seminar once with a guy... Uh, who came up and introduced himself to me after the seminar. This was like last summer, uh, or maybe the summer before that. The the last couple of years tend to blur together for me. But anyway, uh, this guy comes to my comes to the seminar, and and uh, it's a seminar with my my teacher who's since moved to Florida. He came up uh, during the summer to give some classes, and so I went. And this guy comes up to me after the seminar and introduces himself. He's very friendly. He's very nice. Um, and I didn't have anything, any reason to think badly of him. And then I actually looked him up online, or maybe a friend of mine sent me some links online. I think that actually was the case. A friend sent me some stuff, uh, and I hadn't done any poking around on my own, because I'm bad about that kind of thing. I, I, I have so much going on. I'm a very busy person, and I don't always look into these things as I might need to, you know. So I look, and this guy is claiming all kinds of ridiculously high Dan ranks for himself. Now, if you're not familiar, most of you listening to this probably are. Um, when you there, you reach a point when you have a black belt where you start earning, a, you know, a second Dan, a third Dan, a fourth Dan, a fifth Dan. These are sort of ranking levels above black belt. And like, if I remember correctly, my karate teacher in college, way back in 1993 or so, I want to say he earned his. It was either a 7th or 8th Dan. He had had the same beat-up black belt on his uniform for all the time that I had trained with him. And then when he went and earned that very high-level rank, he ended up getting a new, brand-new belt that had some kind of uh, coloring at the tips or something. And, and, you know, that was a legitimate high Dan rank that he had earned. Uh, he'd been teaching at that college for many, many years. You, the way it worked is you took the beginning class as a, uh, you know, as a, as a class for credit. You could take it as one of your gym class requirements, and that's what I did. And then after that, if you wanted to continue on, you paid them and you were part of the karate club, and it was an extracurricular thing, just like any other club on campus. And so he had been there for many, many years, and he was pretty hooked into the to the local martial arts community. I've never heard him speak ill of anybody else. He was a very nice, very honorable man. His name was Joe Liberto, uh, Sensei Joe Liberto, and he was a really good guy. And uh, I once asked him about a rather notorious Taekwondo instructor who had been known to, like, line up his students and punch them and, you know, ask them how hard he wanted them to be punched. The guy was a lunatic from what I heard. I never met him. And I asked Liberto about him once, and I, I'm quoting from memory from 30 years ago, but if I remember correctly, he said, let's just say I was happy not to have him associated with my school. And that was the closest I'd ever heard to him saying anything negative. He was a super nice guy. Um, I, I don't know if he's still around or if he's retired now. He would be um, getting up there now, I would think, but but probably still alive. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, but anyway, this, this guy that I met at the seminar, I didn't train with him. I didn't see him do anything. And then I saw videos of him online doing various kata and forms and other things. And this guy was claiming multiple high Dan ranks in multiple martial arts. Uh, that is always a red flag when someone claims to have 
uh, achieved multiple black belts in multiple systems and styles. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. There are people who are very skilled and who go around collecting ranks in, in various martial arts. But anytime you see a whole laundry list of black belts somebody has supposedly earned, the younger they are, the brighter the red flag. And this guy was claiming multiple Dan ranks in a couple of things. And you look at his videos and he's just awful. He was just not good. There is a certain level of skill that you associate with someone who's claiming multiple Dan levels you know, of black belt, and he didn't have it. So I just blocked the guy online because I'm like, I do not want to associate with someone who's just lying. That's flat out insulting. Um, and and this, is, this is really the problem when it comes to modern ninjutsu. Setting aside the more legitimate organizations. I've never trained in the Bujinkan. I have some good friends who are in the Bujinkan. I have a high opinion of the group and of Masaki Hatsumi. Um, and that's, you know, that's as far as I go with them. I don't, I don't really... I'm not a member of the organization or uh, in a position to speak for them, but I like them. So you set aside those more legitimate organizations. Again, Bukan is another one. I have a very good friend who's been doing martial arts for like 40 years who's in the Genbukan. And, you know, more power to him, man. You know, these are people I respect and like, and, and uh, therefore I respect and like the organizations that they've devoted so many decades to. But you get these these other people, these fly-by-night, I-made-up-my-own-ninjutsu-style people. Some of them make up more than one. All of them claim to be fourth, fifth, sixth dans. It's never good enough to just be, you know, at, at black belt level. they got to make up some level beyond that. And, you know, then they start making up really fanciful titles for themselves. You get the people who have multiple, they have more patches on their gi than a NASCAR driver. Um, there is this weird sort of gaudy inability to be humble that so many of the modern ninja people seem to have and it's what makes them so incredibly obnoxious that that it's not just the lying it's not just that they they will look you in the face and tell you that they have earned things that they haven't earned it's that they they don't know where to stop they always go too far and because they always go too far they're relatively easy to spot um, you know, somebody who knows how to lie knows to pull it back to the level where it's reasonable. These people have never been taught that, so they always go way too far. It's always some ridiculous level of accomplishment. There is a certain fellow who I may devote a podcast to in the future who claims to have won this massive secret martial arts tournament. And he also claims to have broken literally every martial arts record there is. He claims that in his prime, he could have defeated anybody in the UFC today. Um, there's no record he hasn't broken. He used to, theoretically, he worked for the CIA, although he didn't really work for the CIA because the CIA says he didn't work for them. So he didn't, but he did. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's written an entire biography that comes across from the first pages as complete fiction. He is, in his mind, the single most accomplished most legendary, most skilled martial artist who has ever lived. This man has accomplished more in his lifetime than four or five people's lifetimes should be able to encompass. I don't know if you've ever read any serialized fiction. I remember thinking, I used to read Star Trek novels. There's a whole world of novelizations that go with the Star Trek property. They've been around for a long time. There's hundreds of them. Um, I used to write novels in the Executioner series, uh, the lead character of which is Mac Bolan, a vigilante character who's been around since the late 60s, early 70s. Those books encompass hundreds of volumes. 
if all of these adventures are the life of one human being, and you know, in the case of Star Trek and Captain Kirk or any of the crew, in the case of uh, the executioner Mac Bolan, in the case of any other property, you know, any one person, even the Punisher, you add up all the comics and the movies and everything else, there is no way one human being can live one life and have all those adventures. It's not possible. The time doesn't work. In the executioner's case, because he started out in the, 19, the late 1960s, early 1970s, he was a veteran of the Vietnam War. Well, I don't know how familiar you are with the timing of that, but there are very few people who were in Vietnam today who are not very old men, and the executioner stopped aging at around a timeless 50 because it's very hard to be an action star once you start collecting Social Security. Um, the point is, when you look at martial arts figures like the fellow I was talking about in my roundabout circumspect way, these are people who are claiming a level of accomplishment and adventure that no single human being could ever squeeze into one lifetime. He would be the single most incredible human being who has ever lived, ever. And of course, that's exactly what he wants you to think. That's because the people who claim to be things they are not, the people who claim martial arts credentials and therefore claim to be, most often they're, not always, you know, there's lots of people out there pretending to be martial arts ranks that they don't have. But so often it comes down to ninja people. It's the modern ninja people. And I have come into conflict with countless ninja people down through the years. It's why I try not to name them if I don't have to, because I've made enough ninja enemies over the years. Um, in many cases, those have resolved themselves. In one case, one of the self-proclaimed ninja instructors spent about five years in prison. I think it was like one year in various jails awaiting trial, and then four years in a federal prison after that when he finally got convicted. But... I, I don't really want to make more ninja enemies, but at the same time, it must be addressed how pernicious the ninja problem is in modern martial arts. There are too many people out there claiming to be ninja who are just fakes. They're just making stuff up. They're just claiming to have ranks they don't possess. Their stories are not credible. And that brings me to, well, how do you know? In the case of the very famous fellow whose life was supposedly made into one of the most famous martial arts movies in the 1980s, uh, the, the default response to any claim he makes should just be, I don't believe you. <laughs> because he is so adept at obfuscating that it is impossible to know the truth. I often say that when I ask you what your rank is, you ought to be able to answer me in one or two sentences. It should be that simple. If you can't answer me in one or two sentences when I ask you what your rank is, there's a very good chance you're lying. And when someone's personal history becomes so complex that it is impossible to follow, that's a good indicator that they're lying. In the case of this fellow, he's, he's really fond of saying that various things have been proven in court. He's got a packaged response for everything. Typically what he'll do is he'll claim something ridiculous. That ridiculous claim will get debunked. Then he'll say, oh, I never said that. Uh, or he'll find some other mysterious shadowy cabal that is responsible for for somehow maligning his reputation. Um, this is a guy who, you know, among other things, has named me personally more than once, along with other people, as, you know, part of the conspiracy against him. It's like, look, if you are the single most accomplished martial art uh, guy in the history of time, should a Facebook group with maybe 6,000 members, only 200 of which are active at any given moment, should that Facebook group really be the bane of your existence? If you're so accomplished, shouldn't you be able to do more? You know, or, or shouldn't you be above that? Like, 
can can the fact that a few people get together and laugh at you in a Facebook group are they really destroying your business? The same guy, and this is a refrain picked up by so many of these martial arts fakes. The same guy likes to claim that everything is trade libel, everything is business competitors out to stop him. And I've seen other lesser frauds take this up. You know, my ninja business, all of my competitors are out to get me, so they spread lies about me and they say things about me that aren't true. Well, if that's true, um, you'd have to have a business. And most of them do not. Most of them do not have viable businesses. Um, there was a guy who, who has or had a ninja podcast before he detonated it and sweeped it clean, um, made it impossible to find. This is a, an interesting promotional strategy when you make your podcast impossible to find and you change the name multiple times. He tried to claim that the reason I criticized him and his fake ninja stuff was because I am a competing podcaster. And I'm like, no, you would have to have a podcast that shared any audience whatsoever with any of the podcasts I'm involved in, which you don't. You'd have to have a business to be a business competitor. You don't. You're not making any money at this. You don't have any sponsors. You're basically just doing this as a hobby. And hobbies are great, but that doesn't mean anybody who criticizes your execution of your hobby is a nefarious business competitor who's out to crush you. The same guy basically plagued the Facebook group that I participate in for weeks, demanding that people pay attention to him, demanding they come on his podcast, demanding, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then got all upset when we started looking at him and pointing out, well, it seems like you're making up a lot of stuff. You know, the same guy admitted to buying a rank from one of these notorious diploma mills and then handing out ranks to the people that he claimed were, oh, it's just a study group. Well, no, you bought a rank, you handed out certificates, you wanted to be ninjas, and now you're claiming, oh, we don't really believe we're ninjas, and it's just a study group, and I don't really believe, I mean, everybody pays for rank, don't they? And no, the answer is no, they don't. Some people earn rank, and in the course of earning rank, they pay an instructor to teach them. That's not the same as buying a rank. You know, there are lots of diploma mills. It's, it's exactly like these places where you pay a fee, some of them don't even charge you any money, and suddenly you're an ordained minister in a, a made-up church. You know, and for legal purposes, like, I think there's a few states where I can conduct marriage ceremonies because I'm an ordained minister in the, I think it's the Universal Life Church. Every one of us does that at some point in our lives. We're like, I, I think I'll register for one of those online uh, ministerial things. And really what it is, is all you need is to have your name in a database that's attached to some uh, legal fiction that represents as a church. And as long as your name is on that list, then you can conduct a ceremony and have it be valid. Now, those people still need to have a marriage license. But, uh, you know, having a marriage license is one thing. And then having the ceremony conducted by somebody who's, you know, allowed legally to officiate is a second step. So, you know, yeah, uh, I, I would say that while I was able to obtain a, a certificate that says, I am an ordained minister in the Universal Life Church. I am not actually clergy. So, you know, you can go to a diploma mill and buy a rank and have a certificate to put on your wall. You can Photoshop something up. A lot of them do that. You can make up these teachers who are impossible to find and impossible to verify. And that's always the way it is. But deep down, you know you're lying. And this is the thing I've never quite understood because... Normal people can't understand it. I was once told, do not expect to find a rational explanation for irrational behavior. You never will. It will drive you crazy. Well, 
normal people who would know they were faking their credentials, know they haven't earned such and such a rank. So if somebody were to tell me, Phil, you are a black belt in Rex Kwando, here's your certificate. Well, I would know that's not real. There would be no pride I could take in that. Um, let's say it was something even more impressive, you know, something that I really want. Like, let's say somebody, uh, you are, I'm giving you this certificate. You are an NRA certified combatives and firearms instructor. Here's your certificate. But I'd never trained to earn that. I would know it wasn't real. So people who know that their certifications, cert, cert, I, can, I can pronounce English good. People who know that their certifications aren't real Deep down, it eats away at them, even while they're trying to impress other people by telling you, I have this rank and that rank. Um, they know that they didn't earn it, and, and that causes cognitive dissonance. That causes a sensation in the human mind that is very unpleasant. So they kind of go a little insane when they get criticized because they're being forced. It's like grabbing somebody by the back of the head and pushing their nose up against the cognitive dissonance that is them wanting to be seen as special, but being unwilling to put in the time to earn that being special and being confronted with the fact that they know they're lying. Deep down, they know. You know, you can't, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool yourself. And even the most deeply narcissistic and self-delusional martial arts guys, they know deep down, very deep down in some cases, because they bury it pretty far, that they aren't who they claim to be, which is why they get so mad. They get mad when you question them, when you don't believe them, because that questioning becomes an attack on their very identity. They get very upset because you're not just not believing them, you're questioning their sense of self. You're questioning the package they've built for themselves that allows them to feel good about themselves. And without it, they don't feel good about themselves. That's why they have to lie in the first place. So, you know, uh, in this case, the, the Ninja Podcast guy I mentioned, He's, he got really upset when we just didn't believe him. What was our crime? The same crime that, that the movie guy I mentioned holds me responsible for and, and so many other people, we didn't believe them. When you don't believe these people, it makes them very angry. It's a, it's a horrible crime in their world. You know, if you criticize the techniques that they show, that's even worse. They get so upset. Like, look, people criticize me all the time. I've had people tell me, oh, you don't do martial arts. I'm like, yeah, I've only got 30 years of photos to the contrary, but all right. It doesn't upset me because I know what's true and what's not true. But people who get their identity questioned, who've built a delusional architecture behind which they hide so they can feel special, they get upset when you don't believe them because you're challenging the mythology. You're challenging how they view the world. This is a big deal, and it's probably worth multiple episodes, so I'm going to leave it here. We're going to call this Ninja Podcast Part 1, and we'll come back to this topic. Um, feel free to rate this podcast, whatever platform you're using. I look forward to the hate mail that will be from people who see themselves reflected in what I've just talked about. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a comment and let me know wherever it is you're listening to this. I have been Phil Elmore for the Martial Arts Podcast. Until next time, imagine that I said something that sounded cool. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.